when you were talking about eight figures, nine figures, one of the things that I did was I actually took a photo of myself and made a collage and put myself next to Zuckerberg, Kevin Sinstrom. Oh, man, I saw that. Jack Dorsey and Spiegel. So Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. And myself. And the reason why I did that is you have to normalize the notion that someone that looks like me can actually be someone like them. Yeah. And that is something that makes a lot of the establishment uncomfortable and that they don't want to happen because I understand that there is an extremely exploitive predatory relationship between black culture and social media. Mm. Black culture is the economic engine of social media. Yeah. It's literally the cool sauce that yes. makes it run. Yeah. Right. So Facebook can be a great car. The gas is black folks. Yeah. The gasoline is our is our clapbacks on Twitter, our dances on TikTok, our skits on Instagram, Man. everything that we do, like all the culture things that we create and we do. Those are the things that make these platforms powerful. Yes. Given enough that I think one of the very first VCs and it might have been that first VC that I talked to mm -hmm. their Their question was, why would you want to go up against Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg? And Instagram. Whoa. They said, why would you want to do that? That's what they asked me. They said, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, for one, I can build everything that Mark Zuckerberg can build. But Mark Zuckerberg can't build me. He can't build black culture. So I'm trying to contain my excitement right now with uh, introducing the guests uh, that we have for y'all today. Um, so obviously, with Tech is a New Black, uh, of course, the foundation of everything that we talk about um, is surrounding tech. Uh, we discuss breaking into tech, scaling in tech, and then launching your own tech business. That third piece is something that we rarely talk about. Well, not only do we have a guest today who has uh, launched his own uh, tech company, uh, but it's really unique in terms of what the tech company is. So everyone who is watching or listening right now, you are on some version of a social media platform. Uh, well, this guest today has launched a social media platform that I believe, and many others uh, agree, is the future of social media, which is fan base. So everyone, I once introduced you to our guest today, Isaac Hayes III, also known as the founder of Fanbase. Hello. Bro. Thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, I really appreciate it. I don't even think, because I don't even think uh, you know how, like, uh, initially a, a homeboy of mine, um, Keith Dorsey, um, was, yeah. uh, he was like, yo, no, man, you should you should connect with him and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I heard about him. I seen him. I, mm -hmm. I see, the, you know, the waves and stuff of what fan base is doing. And he was like, bro, like, you should connect with him. He was like, man, potentially, you know, if, if he has, like, the bandwidth, he might be able to come on the show. And initially in my head, I was like, ah, that's a long shot. And I'm always the type where I'm like, okay, well, we'll, we'll build up one day to have, you know, to have like a status enough to like have someone, you know, of your level come onto the show. And so we're not even at the level yet that I, I wanted us to be at to, to, to bring you on. So very humbled, grateful uh, just for you to be here, man. Just with everything you and fan base are doing. There's no such thing as a level that you got to be on to have somebody on your show. And there's no level that that is too low for me to be on a podcast or, or, you know, that's not, yeah, man, that's not, no, you're, yeah. you're black. It's a dope show. You reached out. I want to do it. I love that. Do. Thank you so much. Absolutely. For that. Eric, we, we, we legit going to have to get some, uh, some of those bomb little bomb sound effects in there. <laughs> do, 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 do. Like, <laughs> I have real, I have I have those on a roadcaster that my air horns and yeah we you know what you you did, Eric Eric did put when we were uh when he had laid out for me all the things we needed to order uh, yeah one of the things he did lay out was like a, a board that I'm sure has sound effects I think that's the only one of the only things we don't have so yeah we do need to go ahead and, and kind of co copy copy from from what you have and I'm and, finna take that so, clock yeah. <laughs> 
Yo, I'm so here for it, uh, man. So here for it. So let's let's go ahead and, and jump into it. So, um, so what is fan base, and how would you describe fan base differing from what we've seen already on social media, or what we haven't seen with so, other social media? So, fan base is a free to use, um, social media platform that allows you to monetize your life if you so choose. I think. Um, it, it, it's first and foremost a community, a social media platform. Mm-hmm. But I think more importantly, it's an opportunity for people to to actually make money from their social, which nobody really has ever done. Yeah, like to really just start out, like with the intention of of letting people actually monetize their content as opposed to being the 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 source of monetization for the platform. Yeah, that's so dope because as someone before even myself, even before being in tech. Uh, myself and even Eric, like you know, we've we've been content creators for so long, mm-hmm. and I always tell people when it comes to like other social media platforms um, outside of fan base, I've always told people like, man, don't even don't even consider the AdSense money that you're gonna get on these other so because I'm like, right. I'm like, that's not they're not really caring about actually getting you like anything that's significant. Yeah, and then we look on the opposite end of the spectrum and we see uh, other platforms uh, where yeah, they're pretty decent at, at, at monetization, whether it's a you know OnlyFans or a Patreon. But the thing that's strongly lacking with them, in my opinion, is that they don't have that. They're not real social media platforms. They're not social networks. Yeah, exactly. They're content so, houses. Exactly. And so, fan base. One thing that really caught me off guard with it, I was like, "Yo, this is so dope!" Is that it? It really houses both yeah. extremely well. Yeah. Man. Thank you. Yeah. No. And th- th- and again, as a content creator, I mean, thank you. Like, thank you for what it is that, that you're doing and what yeah. fan base is doing. I think, um, well, the first thing is I consider every single person on social media a content creator. That's true. Whether you post one photo a year or a hundred a day, they're running ads in between all of it. Yeah. They're making money and off of. They're making <laughs> money off truth. every single piece of content that comes to this. So even if you're just using it casually, mm-hmm. they're still um, making money. I tell people all the time that if you. Um, are not making money directly from the platform itself, then you are the product. You're what's being Ooh. sold. So you got to understand that. You might feel like you're having fun, but Dang. they're making money off of you in some way, shape, or form. Dang. We having fun? They making funds. Yeah, absolutely. That's Yo, that's a whole bar what you just said. Yeah. I love that so much. So what what led you to, to start Fanbase? Um, I had no plans of getting into tech. Yeah. I was, you know, a, a music producer by trade. Um, I was managing my late father, Isaac Hayes Estate. That's where, that's where yeah. the, drip, the drip comes from. It yeah. comes from a, you know, the background <laughs> of being a producer. And then like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just casually, you know what I'm saying, enjoying life. But I was pa- I'm passionate about black culture and black people. Yeah. I'm really, you know, entrenched in Atlanta's political scene. Man, I, I see that online. You, know, you are really in it. I'm, yeah. I'm always looking out for us because Atlanta's just the most amazing city and we got to maintain this city. Yeah. So, ironically, I was born in Memphis, got to Atlanta um, when I was like three years old, mm-hmm. and I was on Instagram and this young man from Memphis went viral for dancing in a Spider-Man costume. He goes by the name of Ghetto Spider. And I just shot him a DM and said, congrats, young Memphis, because he really went viral. Like It was like he was everywhere. Yeah. And he hit me back in my DMs and was like, are you a manager? 
do you manage like you know uh, uh, content creators or whatever? I was like, no, nah, I manage my dad's estate. Not really. He goes, I need a manager. Like he was really like he wanted to come to Atlanta and talk. And I was like, oh, hold on, let me let me think about it. He's like, even if you ain't a manager, I want you to be my manager. Yeah, so, yeah like, yo, what's going on? So I said, let me think about it. And then I got out of the DM and I was like. This kid is having the moment of his life, but he does not know how to monetize it because mm. he doesn't own Spider-Man. Yeah, that, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. if Marvel and Disney want to shut him down at any moment for making money off their IP or using it, they could. They haven't yet. They've yeah. been really good to him, which I think is dope. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, we need an app where people can subscribe to people like Netflix, like directly mm. to the person. Right. And then that was the idea. That was the birth of like, okay, I got to build fan base because, you know, OnlyFans had come out the year before. It was called Fans Only. And I was familiar with Patreon. And I really just did some research about platforms that monetize content, but there were no social networks. They're just like, OnlyFans is heavily pornographic. Yeah. And they make a ton of money. Don't get me wrong. Both sites are very, very successful. But I was saying collectively, as a, as a, as a, as a group of users, um, everybody should have that same ability to do so, but then put it in a social environment. Yeah. And so then I was like, I got to build it. So then I was like, mm, I don't know anything about tech. So I know some people from the gathering spot um, in Atlanta, Georgia, if you've ever been there. Shouts out to gathering spot. Yeah. Shout out. So I met um, Jewel Burks, Justin Dawkins and Barry Gibbons um, just by being a member there. And those were my first an initial tech senseis, I call them. And they show me the ropes about what what it means and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, I listened to them for probably a good month or two, picking their brain, and they were so you know kind um, to do so. And so then um, I said, okay, now I got to build this thing. So I invested my own money. I spent like two hundred thousand dollars of my own money Ooh, <laughs> to man. to build the uh, the very first version of fan base. But I'm a, a record producer, so I was able to advance myself some royalty money, and um, said, let me take a chance on doing this, and I built it, and then. Um, we 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 had about close to ten thousand users in the first year. I didn't tell anybody I built it. There was a reason that I didn't because I I had this apprehension of me being a black founder of an of a social media platform and wow. how people would respond to that. So I didn't tell anybody I built it. Nobody that I even knew. I just wanted to see who would use it. But the reason behind that was because I know that if I ever raise money and I say, Well, how did you get a user base? And I would say, oh, I told this person and that person. They'd be like, that's not real growth. We need mm-hmm. organic growth. So I left it alone. We got to about 10,000 users. And one user made about $6,000 in a year off of about 10,000 users. i say, okay, it works. Yeah, exactly. People yeah. will subscribe to other people. Mm-hmm. People just have to understand that they can do that and be you know, forward thinking about how they're going to do it. Because most mm-hmm. people have no idea or even feel uncomfortable about charging for content. Um and so that was really that uh, from that point on, um, we were about to move into the pandemic and I was going to raise money. And then that's when everything changed. So, yeah. So how did that. So so leading into that, how did so everyone's very familiar with uh, the pandemic and how that's affected everybody individually. Yeah. But how did that change things for fan base? So a couple of things. I only have the experience that I have. As a, as a musician and someone in the music industry. Yeah. And so all I, I could only do is compare tech to the music or use it as a, a relatable. Oh, we love analogies. Yeah, oh, right. We love analogies. So what I, what I realized is tech and the record industry are pretty similar, meaning mm-hmm. the VCs are like the label mm-hmm. and then the apps and startups are like the artists. Oh. So if you have no traction, you're just a 
kid off the street. They're going to say, we'll sign you to a deal. We'll give you $150,000 for 25% of your company. And that always never makes sense to me. Like, that's too much. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. knowing that you kind of got to get yourself hot before you talk to them. Exactly. And so I had one meeting with a VC and it was and it felt like a record company like, oh, yeah, you know, they were really kind of dismissive. And I was like, OK, I don't like this. Yeah. So then COVID happens and I was going to raise money and then um, we couldn't move. So, you know, what everybody, you know move? everybody oh, was yeah, yeah, you know, on lockdown. Okay. We were just like, everybody was inside. And so uh, equity crowdfunding, I got introduced to equity crowdfunding from a friend of mine named Dawn Dixon. Um, she's the first black woman to raise a million dollars in equity crowdfunding. If people don't know what equity crowdfunding is, it's just an opportunity through um, legislation that Barack Obama and Joe Biden passed in 2012 that wipes out the accredited investor rule and allows any person to invest in an early stage company regardless of their net worth or income. Wow, that's amazing. So so when you think about the Apples, the Googles, the Microsofts of the world, all of those companies were initially funded by rich people, wealthy people, but with not lot with not a lot of money. It was just a law. The accredited investor law was created by wealthy people to lock everybody else out from all the best opportunities. Exactly. So only the wealthy could invest in these opportunities and other people, even if the other people are, are willing to invest more, they, it's, it's they, illegal. Man, and, and the law has been in effect since 1933. So it's not even about color. Yeah. It was about class. It was right, this right after the, the Great Depression. Very classism. It's very classism. So I always use the example of um, one of the seed founders of Uber, a guy by the name of Orrin Michaels, he put $5,000 into Uber as a seed investor in 2010. That's, and the company went public in 2019. Let me know how much you think his five thousand was worth. Yeah, for Uber. Yeah, that five thousand. I mean, I would think. No. Like a five mil. I mean, I, I know. Twenty-four million dollars. Oh my gosh. So that's crazy. Imagine that. Five thousand dollars. So yeah, even if you even even if ten of your friends got together and put five hundred dollars a piece in and said, "Hey man, let's invest in this company called Uber." And nine years later, we got two point five million dollars. All of my millionaires, right? Five hundred. Oh my gosh, right. that's crazy. So so that is kind of like why like why I think it was it's it's just you know unfortunate that we never had these opportunities. But because of the Jobs Act, which is the legislation, it wipes out that rule. Man, that's so Dawn was able to raise money that way, and then. Um, I talk about I had a I had a, a meeting with Alexis Ohanian. If everybody knows who who that is, um, Serena Williams' husband. Oh yeah. Okay. And we were talking about um, we were talking about how that that law is so messed up, and even the fact that like it's okay for me to go buy five thousand dollars worth of lottery tickets. It's okay for me to go to ga- Vegas and gamble five thousand dollars, but I can't put yeah. five thousand dollars on Instagram or Uber or whatever. And so, um, so, so then another friend of mine, uh, Monique Idolet, um, who's the ex-wife of Timberland, she is in tech as well. And she's like, you need to really check this company out called Start Engine, and they're an equity crowdfunding platform. Yeah. So, I um, submitted to Start Engine, and only two percent of people that that apply to equity crowdfunding get accepted. So I got accepted. Um, I learned how to make a deck. I didn't know how to make no, you know deck presentations uh you know 
Joomim sent me to somebody to make a deck, and I just said, send me the keynote back. And I started clicking buttons, yeah. and I made my own deck. <laughs> I'm one of them dudes. Like, I'm going to figure it out. Yo, I'm, the same. I'm, I'm with that. Yeah. I love it. So I figured, I figured that out, and then I got accepted. So um, it was a good thing because it, it really forced me to be a better founder mm-hmm. because the process takes about three months. You got to go through a financial review, all this compliance, SEC. Like, you really got to know your stuff. Man. To the point, like, the first meeting that we had, I think I might have, like, been late or not delivered on something. And they were like, hey, man, do you want to do this or not? Like, and I, it really, it really helped. So um, we launched our campaign in 2020, um, October 29th or 28th, like a few days before the election. Mm. And in three weeks, I got to $300,000. Raise my goal is to raise a million, and we were about three hundred thousand dollars. And then I actually did the Breakfast Club, and then we raised like over seven hundred thousand dollars in like you know an hour, way more than that actually. Actually, raised you said in an hour. Yeah, we raised like yeah, we raised like almost like two million in like an hour. Whoa! So it was it, it was wild. It was crazy. So I actually broke records on starting for like the, the second most amount of money raised in a twenty four hour period. Man, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and so major congratulations though. Yeah, so that was so then we went on to raise in that first round 3.4 million because because of COVID, the SEC upped the regulation that you could raise up to 5 million rather than 1. So I had a huge wait list of people that still wanted to invest in Fanbase. Man. So we raised 3.4 million. Um I launched another raise at the end of 2021 for 2.5 and then I just closed the third round. I'm sorry, 2.6, and I just closed a third round of 2.5 million. So we raised about over eight and a half million dollars for fan base. Yo, that's incredible. Yeah, man, major congratulations. I I love that so much, man. When when you started fan base, you know, and obviously, fan base is 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 still at a place where it's like legacy still hasn't been cemented yet. It has so yeah. much more to do. But even when you when you began it. At the time, did you ever like imagine like it becoming even what it is now? No, it's so funny. Me, you know, I did, I did only because I'm a faithful person. Yeah. I believe, you know, what yeah. I'm saying I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm actually relieved and and feel very thankful that yeah. you know the way that it is. Um, and so I'm 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 confident in the things that I've learned and the experience that I have. And so I was like, yeah, you know, this is this is what it's supposed to be. It was just like an incredible, you know, you know, moment. I think that now some of the things that I didn't know is that I would be the first to do things. And I think that's really what's cool. It's like, you know, I'm the first black man to raise over five million in equity crowdfunding. Wow. So I'm the first fan base is the first native application that allows a user to subscribe to another user via in-app purchase. So not so so and, and and what's important about that is is no one cared about paying creators until we came along. Yeah, Patreon had been around, OnlyFans had been around. Mm-hmm. The moment that you could click two buttons and subscribe to somebody, Instagram started coming out with it, Twitter, Snapchat, like TikTok, like the subscription because. Subscri- I tell people all the time, subscriptions are the are the future, and it's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to change the world in a way with money that I don't think people are are really aware of how rich people are about to get mm-hmm. and very fast. Man, but there's so much to unpack. Uh, so much to unpack with all of that. 
Uh, one thing I guess I've been really curious about. So with Texas New Black, we we talk a lot about you know helping people like breaking the tech and scaling mm-hmm. tech. But honestly, my biggest thing, and I have, haven't really revealed this too much, is I'm my goal is to like inspire more uh, more Black people to to actually consider like, hey, eventually starting a tech company, yes, starting a tech business. Because one of the like our uh, guests that we had on uh, recently. We were talking about how, you know, this, you know, in, in the tech industry, just working a job, if you know, if you're working hard, if you're competent, got a decent job, whatever, you're going to make like a low six figures, at mm-hmm. least, which is great because that's significantly higher than the average income Hell of yeah. our community. Yeah. So that's great. But it's like, man, as much as that, I've seen people oftentimes say like, oh, man, that, you know, yeah, I want to make six figures so I can build generational wealth. And it's like. You're not building generational wealth no. making six figures. I hate to say that. And, and I, I didn't realize that until I got to this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you you actually, it, it'll take a, a very long time. <laughs> it'll take to, some to, generations. To, yes, it'll take some generations to build some generational, generational wealth. wealth. You know, but it's like what many of our, I say our counterparts, I think what they realize in this industry is they're like, okay, yeah, y'all can work in this industry. But many of us are going to be the executives and or we're going to be the ones that are like like the founders of these companies. Right. And it's like that's where the, you know, the the eight figure, nine figure billion dollars are at. And so and and that's the real wealth that's that's being. Built Absolutely. Down. That's the real power that's being built down. And again, nothing's wrong with, with the six figures. That's good. Because, again, that, that still gets people like at a good place. Mm-hmm. But it's like in terms of like, yo. Us as a community, if we're trying to really do some big things, mm-hmm. some really big things, we have to start looking at the 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 eight figures, the nine figures, and and beyond that. So, what would you say, you know, are some things? Let let's say there's someone who they're looking to be like, hey, I, I might want to start a a tech company. Let's say they have like a, a good idea mm-hmm. for something. And maybe they're like the, you know, the, 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 the younger, the younger Isaac, where they're like, I don't know anything about a tech company or this or that. Mm-hmm. What are some, some basic things you would suggest for them to look into so that maybe they can kind of prepare themselves and set themselves up to maybe step into if they have a business and they're like, oh, this technically could be a tech business in mm-hmm. some type of way. What are some keys that you would give? Well, I mean, just recognizing where technology can fit in your business. You should always consider technology and whatever you're building. I mean, if you have a great idea and it works and it's, it's something that you can scale without considering tech, but always think about ways that technology can make, you know, your business a lot more efficient and help you grow. And then um, for me, like just I'm I'm a little different because I've been a career entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't had a job since I was 20 years old. Like I haven't worked for another person since wow. I was 20. And but that was just a that was a gamble of mine. So I'm very used to like I'm very uncomfortable. I'm very comfortable with living uncomfortable. Yeah. So when you're living like you don't know where your check coming from and all that kind of stuff, I'm I'm 20 years into that. Like yeah. you know I'm I'm cool. It's like living outside in the jungle. Like I'm not. Nothing bothers me like that. Yeah. But a lot of times people are afraid of that. So one thing is, I think there is a bit of entrepreneurship that has to come with that. Mm-hmm. That's the first oh, thing that I have to say. You have to kind of be able to let go of one to do the other. Yeah. And it's very, very scary to leave like the security of a job or the things that you want to do and make a leap to go forward and say, I'm going to start this business. And it's extremely important that, you know, I, I you know, express myself in a way that I'm going to be able to do that. So um, you got to be fearless for real. 
Yeah. Yeah. Man, absolutely. that's that's good. And that's really helpful. Uh, so one of the things that I've noticed about you and I appreciate about you, like you're you're a man of conviction where, you know, not only is fan base different and unique and needed uh, as a social media platform, uh, but also you as a founder are very unique and different from from like typically a lot of founders from, from what I've seen are not black. Yeah, first, first and foremost, they're not black. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, but something else, m- many of them typically try to play the fence in terms of their views with, with things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they try to play the fence. They try to almost kind of make everyone happy or they just try to stay out of certain conversations as much as they can. I've changed a lot since fan, trust me, before fan base, it was worse. Oh, but yeah? I, yeah, but I, yeah, it was worse. But I, but I understand that technology doesn't have a race, it doesn't have a religion, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a sexual orientation. And so, yeah. you know, I I, I personally mm-hmm. believe in the freedom of anybody to express themselves the way they want to. Yeah, but a lot of times you can't be like, well, I don't I don't want people to feel like a Republican couldn't get on fan base. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or you know what I'm saying? Like I don't I don't feel comfortable because no, like it's it like fan base is literally for everybody. Um yeah. and the, the part that something significant that you said and something that I did when you were talking about eight figures, nine figures, one of the things that I did was I actually took a photo of myself and made a collage and put myself next to Zuckerberg, Kevin Sinstrom. Oh, man, I saw that. Jack Dorsey and um, and uh, uh, Neil Patel. No, was it was Spiegel? It? Spiegel. Okay. Spiegel. So Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. And myself. And the reason why I did that is you have to normalize the notion that someone that looks like me can actually be someone like them. Yeah. And that is something that makes a lot of the the, the establishment uncomfortable and that they don't want to happen because one of the things that and this is this is extremely important, which I, I became fearless about in building the company, is that I understand that there is an extremely exploitive predatory relationship between black culture and social media. Black culture is the economic engine of social media. Yeah. It's literally the cool sauce that yes. makes it run. Yeah. Right? So Facebook can be a great car. The gas is black folks. Yeah. The gasoline is our is our clapbacks on Twitter, our dances on TikTok, our skits on Instagram. Man. Everything that we do, like all the culture things that we create and we do, those are the things that make these platforms powerful. Yes. Given enough that I think one of the very first VCs, and it might have been that first VC that I talked to, mm-hmm. their their question was, why would you want to go up against Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and Instagram? Whoa. They said, why would you want to do that? That's what they asked me. They said, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, for one, I said, um, uh, Mark, I can build everything that Mark Zuckerberg can build. Yeah, I'm confident my team, my CTO Romero is an incredible CTO. Our team is mm-hmm. extremely talented, but Mark Zuckerberg can't build me. He can't build black I, culture. I, man, I love that. That's why I was not afraid. I was like, yeah, I'm not because people look at people and and people make the assumption that all of these platforms are going to be around infinitely, like they're going to last forever. Nope. You know what I'm saying? If you if you looked at like who the number one retailer was in the United States in like 1980, it was like Sears, Roebuck. Right now, it's, it's Walmart. And probably in the future, it'll be Amazon. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. And so I have a belief that every single social media platform has a lifespan, mm-hmm. even including fan base. It will live and it will die. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's made relevant by the generation that makes it relevant. And then those people grow up and then other people come on board. Yeah. So, you know, um, MySpace is dead. Facebook's a senior citizen. Yes. Instagram's a middle-aged adult. Snapchat's a millennial. TikTok's a centennial. And I built fan base <laughs> to be Generation Alpha. And I said that because kids are always going to want to be on apps that their parents are not on. You know no, what I'm no, as soon as my mama got on Facebook, I was like, I'm out. I'm gone. Yeah. Like, peace. Y'all can have Facebook. I went to Instagram, haven't looked back. And my brother, who is who is 16 years old, is nowhere near Instagram. Yeah. His social life is somewhere else. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what Mark Zuckerberg builds, you're not gonna get a 13-year-old to start a Facebook page or an Instagram page. Yeah. Never. <laughs> They're not gonna do that. Yeah. Like, why would they do that? Like <laughs> My aunt is over there. Grandma's on TikTok. That's what they're doing. The kids are saying, like, oh, my God, grandma made a TikTok page. You know, my, so now they're looking. So now kids are looking like, where are we finna go? Yeah. Because we can't have fun over here. So Man. and then and then from the from the monetization aspect, the exploitive relationship between culture and how these kids create these dances mm -hmm. and this content and these companies make so much money off advertising. Like Facebook ad revenue in 2021 was 115 billion dollars with a B, right? 115 billion, right? And I say this all the time. I say, tell me right now, like, go ask Facebook to put five billion in the hood. Like you guys, uh, you guys contribute so much to the culture and make this app so popular. Go put five billion in Chicago or Baltimore or Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? In Houston, New Orleans, whatever it is, to build community centers where kids can create content and do all these types of cool things they have. I said, you think, for instance, that you think for one second that a fan base is making 115 billion in revenue? I'm not putting billions Man. into my community to be able to do that. So it's a very important situation because now you're taking the culture and the tech and you're putting it up under one umbrella, and they're looking like, well, where do we make our money? Where do we exploit the culture? If he's the tech. And, and the culture, yeah. where do we get in? And that's a problem. And I like that. If you're not, if you're not pissing people off, if you're not disrupting, then you're doing something wrong. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why, like I said, I'm so passionate because I want to disrupt. And I think, yeah. and I think fan base is going to be uh, one of the most disruptive platforms um, that's ever existed. But I don't think people really see. I talk about it all the time. I sound like the scientist in the movie, in the asteroid <laughs> movie, that's saying it's coming. Like it's like winter's coming on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I've been saying that for so long, and now that people see it, they're like, "I think this mf'er might be right." Yeah, I think because it's like Elon bought Twitter, and they were like, "Oh shit!" And then TikTok might get banned in the U.S., and everybody's yep. getting frustrated with Instagram and. Mark Zuckerberg is trying to build a metaverse and they were like, well, what's going on with social media? And I'm like, I'm just over here like, I'm telling y'all, these subscriptions finna come in and, and, and make so much money. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a, a trillion dollar industry that's about to hit um, very hard. Man, dude, you, you said so much, like even, even things I wasn't expecting you to, uh, to share. Oh man, you went so many different angles and I'm like, man, my mind's kind of racing with all these different tangents uh, that I want to go in. Uh, but I want to stick stick to the uh the stuff that um we decide we're going to talk on. Um uh, so man, oh, I'm such a fan. I'm such I'm such a fan of like fan base and, and what y'all are doing. I love the fact that you kind of saw everything like you were a visionary. You saw everything ahead of time. And what's what's so wild to me is that you were relatively new to the space and I think maybe that's part of what makes you so unique mm -hmm. and so well poised 
for this industry because you didn't come from the angle that that many others came from where many others came from a a very technical background or they were in the industry so they saw things a certain way that's a gift and a curse yeah but because of where where you've come from you come from one a, a culture a group of people that are naturally creative yeah uh, so naturally that runs in your mind and yeah. then even again you being a, a producer like just you oh, there's so many elements of that that I think it now explains so much about fan base just mm-hmm. knowing more about you and understanding more about your mind I think that's what's so important where people tend to look at like tech companies or they look at the uh, a tech uh you know, they'll look at like what a business is doing. And oftentimes it's like, man, you need to look at the founder and look at the team. Yeah. You know, if you really want want to have a better understanding as to the longevity or the future of what that's doing. And so yeah. like talking with you and hearing uh, more just about your perspective, your background, it makes it very clear about just why, like how you've done everything you've done with fan base and what fan base is. Yeah. Uh, so we're at the start of a new year, just finished our first week uh, in, in uh, January. We have an entire year ahead of us. What do we see? What do you see for fan base at the end of the year, end of uh, 2023? Well, we're definitely we definitely want to, you know, go to Series A. I think mm-hmm. um, institutional investors have been reaching out and I think it's the right time. And, I, and and this is why I say it's important, because when when you look at uh, you look at VCs as the label and me as a startup, I'm thinking, OK, we got to get fan base hot in the streets. Mm-hmm. So now you just can't hand me you know, a little small amount of money for a large chunk of my company. Yeah. And when they did that and even going through Start Engine, um, it's like I went and sold um, $8.5 million worth of shares out the chunk of my car. So I went independent. So now they have to look at you differently. Like you can raise money without us. You don't, you need, you don't really need us the way, yeah. you know, other startups need. Mm-hmm. And then I think my inexperience in the tech space um is a good it's it, it's good and bad. I'm tell you mm-hmm. why. It's good because I don't know the rules, I and love that's that. cool. Because most people, I say this all the time, and, and I, I I've always just say this: like if you want to do something, learn the learn the structure, but then get out of the system mm-hmm. because you can't break the rules that way. Yeah, like most of the most of the founders of these companies are smart guys mm-hmm. that were that dropped out of college. Like I'm not finishing four years. I'm. I, I got the basics of what I need. I need to move around and I, like I'm not gonna work my way up the ladder. It's not about that. It's just about going out there and getting directly what you need to do. So for for us this year, um, disruption, um, really really honing in on the community of fan base. It has so much functionality. If people don't know fan base, and I can just say it real quick, it has photo, video, audio, live stories and long form content up to two hours we call fan base plus yeah and so um and that's like everybody's netflix so there's there's a place for everybody to monetize their content but if you don't you can have followers and then if you want to make content for people to subscribe you can have subscribers and i think that's the one thing that people know so really establishing that we just got finished our first real meeting of uh of uh, 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 2023 um i set the company okrs for myself the other teams have said OKRs. People don't know what OKRs are, objectives and key results. So, like, what we are as a company and what we're going to do the first quarter. And then that trickles down through the company. Um, and then we set KPIs, and everybody understands. And those are key performance indicators. For people don't know what KPIs I'm starting to learn all this. this you acronyms. Know, man, a thousand all, acronyms. So all, man, acronyms. these corporate acronyms. I'm not – I ain't never had no job. Like, I ain't been in corporate America like that. So, I'm yeah. learning. But I have great – 
I have great leadership. I have great people that my goal is to always hire people that are smarter than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, Andre 3000 told me to read this book called Rocket Fuel. If you haven't read it, really Rocket good book. Fuel. Every every successful company has a duo of two people. Mm -hmm. They have a visionary and an integrator. I realize that I'm a visionary. Yeah, I'm supposed to come up with the big ideas, close the deals. You know what I'm saying? Sell the company, have the large, broad vision for what the company is, yeah. and then place integrators who are supposed to integrate that vision in a corporate fashion, in a very productive, um, you know, professional fashion that makes sure we get things done that we need to do. Yeah. And so that's like my my integrators are like my 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 chief technology officer Ramiro Canavas, um, who I wouldn't be here without him at all. Um, I think people don't understand how important a CTO is to a tech company. They are the they are the the person that makes the buttons do what they're supposed to do in the right way, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And for me, that's just what it was for, for me. Like I, you know, I love coming up, I love being able to throw something at them, and they're like, "Oh, we can build that," and yeah. I'm like, "Y'all really okay?" They have they've never let me down. They've never yeah. they've never let me down, which gives me confidence. Yeah, because you know? now it's like now you know. Okay, whatever I can imagine, whatever I, I can, can dream, dream of, of, they can build. Can. That's beautiful. And that, and so, and so, and, and my ideas get stolen all the time by these other companies. By the way, that's why I love it. It's like when we, this is a, a, a good thing that happened when we first started building fan base. Apple sold us we cannot do what I wanted to do. So you cannot have an app that allows you to subscribe to somebody via in-app purchase. There's a particular reason why, because they create this thing called a subscription profile. Oh, so you mean, and when you say Apple said no, you mean like in terms of like the- The app the store. App, okay. The app store would not let us build initially what I wanted to do. Yeah. Which is which is ironic, which is just, I want to make an app where somebody could subscribe to somebody with a click of a button and subscribe. And so when you when you subscribe to something like Netflix or, or Spotify or something, Apple on the back end has this thing called a subscription profile. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're not going to let you build an app where you could have somebody could subscribe to 100 people and you want 100 million users. And we got billions of subscription profiles to keep up with. So Ramiro was like, he said, I thought we was done. I was like, man, I just took all this money invested in building this shit. He goes, no. He goes, this is a good thing. He goes, that means you're about to do something that's never been done. Oh. He says, let's let's follow their rules. Let's do what they say that we have to do, and then we can do it. And Google said the same thing. They were like, y'all can't do that. So then what we did was we tiered subscriptions initially. So one profile was you can subscribe to one person. Another profile is you can subscribe to three people. Oh, wow. Or another profile is you can subscribe to five people. That's how we got around it. Yeah. So then we heard that Instagram was doing like subscriptions. And we hit up Apple and be like, wait a minute, how is Instagram able to do what you said we couldn't do? Yeah. And they go, oh, well, we've had a change of heart about subscriptions. And so, we, you know, you should really reach out to the subscription team to see kind of like what, you know, what, what's going on. And mm -hmm. so they came out with subscriptions. Yeah. And ours function that way now, but that was my original goal, which is yeah. like, you know, just click a couple buttons and subscribe. Um, and so I think that was, that was extremely important. It's validating that process and understanding that your CTO knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. We're building something that is groundbreaking. I'm going to give you a couple stats that I think some information I think people need to know, yeah. which is extremely important. One, this is why I say subscriptions are going to take over. Even for your platform or anybody listening, um, there are seven and a half billion people on the planet with a smartphone, right? Almost 90, 94% of the planet has a smartphone. Whoa. Right? So everybody. I don't know that many people. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Out of those people, how many people do you think have a Netflix subscription? 
out of seven and a half billion people. Oh man, I used to know around how many people were were on Netflix. But I know their their numbers have been doing some some goofy stuff right now. So out of all of those people, I would think what like thirty million, fifty million. I'm actually actually surprised you went that low. Most times when I ask questions, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm probably sure like 2 billion people got a Netflix account. I'm like, only 222 million people have Netflix. Oh, man. Only 525 million people are on music streaming services combined. So so Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, right? Yeah. So people subscribing to other people is going to be bigger than Netflix could ever be. The fact that seven and a half billion people can hit a button and subscribe to another seven and a half billion people. Yeah. That money is going to obliterate the type of revenue and it's going to change every single industry because the amount of money that people are going to start making via subscription is actually going to outpace and be larger than what you do as a profession. Meaning artists, recording artists will make more money off their subscribers than they will off the record company. Yeah. Athletes will start making more money off their subscribers than they do off the teams they play for. Mm-hmm. You understand? Movie stars will start making money off the subscriptions than the studios that pay them to do their films. Yeah. So the leverage is going to switch. Yeah. Right. When you take someone like I, I like when you take the Rock, right? Because I and I say this is important. About five percent of the people that follow you on social are your fan base, right? You got to think about that. Like you got to think someone like Beyonce has, I don't know, two hundred million followers. If that's the case, she would sell two hundred million albums every time she dropped. <laughs> It's not it. You know what yeah, I'm saying? We saw what happened with uh, Sweetie recently. Yeah. And all her followers. Right. Like, yeah. It's not, your following is not your fan base. Yeah. Your fan base is a, a small group of people mm-hmm. that are really dedicated and interested and care about your success. But even someone like The Rock, who has about 350 million followers on social, mm-hmm. it's about 17 million people around the world, right? If 17 million people subscribe to The Rock on fan base, you make you make two dollars and fifty cents a subscriber. Subscription on fan base is four ninety nine. Wow. Um, it's it's four ninety nine. That's because Apple and Google are gangsters and they take their thirty cents or thirty percent. Mm-hmm. We take twenty percent and give fifty to the user. But that's still on par with what like Twitch Prime and mm-hmm. and YouTube Super Chat. They take about fifty percent of the revenue or whatever when those mm-hmm. subscription models. But that's still. Um, I think The Rock would make over half a billion a year in subscribers. Whoa. And what that let me that, know that's was... That's larger than how much he makes as an actor. Yeah, right. He's, he's the top paid male actor. He would, that's yeah. insane. Wow. And, so, and that's half a billion a year. And then what that let me know is The Rock could be like, I'm going to take $100 million and shoot my own movie and put it on Fanbase Plus. And now I'm the gate. Yes. I, I'm... I'm, I'm just, I'm, I produce it. I just use Fanbase Plus as the distribution yeah. outlet. There's an Apple TV app. It's on iOS, Android, desktop. People can subscribe directly to my movies. That changes it. When you think Damn. about name, image, and likeness with athletes, it's like you can be a college kid, you know, coming into the NBA. You've been making more money than the league can pay you because yeah. you got so many subscribers that are your fan base. Yes. If you're an artist, when, when Taylor Swift sold 2 million tickets in an hour, I thought people were really going to get it. I was like, you don't understand. There's nothing in between you and seven and a half billion people but two clicks of a button. So if you're making more money than the label can pay you when your deal is up, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I want 95 percent of the profit and you take five or I'll go do this shit somewhere else. Yeah. I want the cash money deal. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm out of here and you're going to get it because what is the point? And, and then when you think about the, the average person that lives in America the average American salary is $47,000 a year, right? But check this out. 5,000 people mm-hmm. subscribing to you on Fanbase 
brings you $12,500 a month, $150,000 a year. Just 5,000 people. You'd be making more money than 97% of Americans. Man. Instead of going like, I'm about to go bust my ass. and work. People don't think, I know people with three, four, five million followers that are broke. But oh, all, yeah. you need, all you need is 5,000 people man to make 150 grand a year that's a lot that's that's that's, that's an insane amount of money so it's it's a numbers game it's not about people are like, oh, i got 13 million followers cool how much they get how much you get paid yeah. off that that's why I, I, I told people at this point like it's like having followers on these other social media platforms it means virtually nothing you know people meet me and they're like oh you got this many followers and i'm like man trust me the following don't mean nothing what yeah. matters is if you know how to monetize it or if you can monetize that it. fan and base I, I love that fan base is like basically sorted that out for people yeah i tell people you want a million followers you want a million dollars a million yeah. followers is one thing a million dollars is fifty thousand people subscribing to you and you make one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a month you make 1.5 million dollars a year just fifty thousand people yeah. And you have the ability to do that. I just think it's changing the mindset of people. Like every time new technology comes out, people always reject the technology. Oh yeah. Meaning like, oh yeah, I'm I'm holding on to my eight tracks. I'm gonna stick to my my LPs. Yeah. I'm gonna hold on to my cassettes. I love my CDs. I still want to buy my MP3s. And now everybody's streaming music. Yeah. And so subscriptions, like charging for content, and this is a and, and the fact that this is tech is the new black. Let me tell you something. People that are making money in subscriptions, it's 90, like 7% white people. Because the white, the white community puts a value on something the moment that they create it. The moment that they build it, they put a value on it. You understand what I mean? Can you Meaning, explain it, like unpack that? Piece. So that, that means that um, we give our content away for free. Like mixtapes, like social media is just like the mixtape era in the music business. We oh, give our, we man. give our content away for free. The hope we go viral, then I can get on Wild and Out or get a brand deal or something. But there's no, that's not a guaranteed source. No, it's not. People are charging for the content that they, the moment that they put it out. So they, we're not. You ain't never seen a country mixtape, a EDM mixtape, no. a pop mixtape. Yeah, mixtapes right. are just in the black community, right? Like hip hop. We were so. You, I said if me and you were to start a business today, we're gonna sell. Uh, uh, muffins, and we had to give all of our muffins away until Tyler Perry walks, walks up and eats a muffin and says, "This is the best muffin ever. Go buy it." We wouldn't be in business very long. Yeah, that's exactly what people are doing. They're that's giving true. away their IP away for free until someone recognizes them. Then they go viral. Then they got to turn that moment into money. Yeah, you know, how, you know how hard that shit is. That's crazy. And ninety nine percent of the people that do that, it never happens. How many dance? How many people you know have done a, a dance challenge and been and done two of them? There's been only one Shiggy challenge. There's been only one um, Junebug challenge. There's been only one Renegade challenge. There's been only one Savage challenge. Like those, those individual people have only done it one time. Virality is that. It's virality. Yeah. It's unpredictable. You can't control it. Yeah, you can't. But subscriptions, you can control. Man. You can absolutely say that. And and I don't want us to run over time, but I, I think there's some things that are extremely important that have to be said. No, please. We build industries like black, black especially African-American culture. We're the smallest culture group on earth, smallest, right, and youngest, about 600 years old, right? But we're the most influential. Yeah. Right? Trillion, trillion dollar, trillion dollar, you know, culture. Everything that, like, how we dress, how we talk. It's impossible to sell anything as being cool without the assistance of black people. Oh, definitely. You need our music, you need our dance, you need, you need something from us to do that, and those are multi-trillion dollar businesses. And when I told people, I, I had a chance to talk to Grandmaster Flash, I met him for the first time via um, 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 FaceTime for my boy Dre, and I use him as an example all the time. I said, the moment that you DJed 
on two turntables and a mixer. Someone should have pulled you to the side and said, do not show an MF for what you just showed me. Let's go figure out how to build turntables and mixers. Because everybody that does that is gonna need those. Fast forward, the invention of DJ Culture is now a solid piece of hardware. It's two turntables and a mixer built together that Techniques and Pioneer own and Serato has the the software. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a like six or seven billion dollar a year industry. So Grandmaster Flash should be sitting Billions up of in a in a in a house somewhere worth about six or seven billion dollars and everybody should be DJing on the Flash five thousand. Yeah. So we we have to turn Man. we have to turn our our innovations into acquisitions. Like we yeah. have to turn those into those things that we own, that we own the infrastructures. You know what I'm saying? We have to turn that because without it, like it's the same thing for car companies. It's like every car got TVs and a headrest, LEDs, ceilings and the lights. They got the best sound system. They got rims. It's very plush and comfortable. We were doing that when my dad was had a Cadillac with a TV in it. That's the right? truth. But do we own Chrysler? We don't own Ford. We don't yeah. own it. So, so our innovations have to become acquisitions. We have to own the infrastructure. So social media, we innovate social media. Yeah. But do we own Facebook, Instagram, no. Twitter? We don't. That is the reason why I built Fanbase. Everybody can use it, but someone has to own it because the, the opportunity and the power that you can do with owning a platform like that there, there's so much good. There's so much positive things that can come to the black community. There's so much, you know, just amazing stuff that can be done. and so much opportunity given to everybody across the world. 